A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of the Lord. The children's moment highlighted the challenges that you've given me. Sometimes I'm the only adult in the room, and uh, so it is a challenge sometimes because my wife doesn't always think that I am, so there you go. Diane and I were talking recently about our next trip we like to travel. And we're Anglophiles, so we tend to wander through London wherever we go and spend a few days in London. And Diane said, well, it's been a long time since we've been to Edinburgh, and I I would like to go back to Edinburgh. And so I started looking, and we can fly to London and spend several days and then fly to Edinburgh for 41 pounds uh, each way. Sounded pretty good, and I talked to Diane about that. I said, then we can fly home from Edinburgh. She said, yeah, but she said, you remember in 1996 when we with, were with our friend David Nelson Duke, who he and his family were at Oxford. He was on sabbatical there, uh, religion professor at William Jewell College. And she said, you remember, we took the train. She said, I love just coming into the Princess Street Station in Edinburgh. And you walk and you're right in the middle of the city. And it's just, it's just wonderful. And we kept talking, and she said, you know, you remember that we went there, and we didn't have a place to stay. And I thought, oh, my word, I would never do that now. Show up in a a city that I really wasn't all that familiar with, but we found some little bed and breakfast someplace for about 10 pounds and had a lovely time. But, you know, the older I get, the more I like to have things kind of lined up uh, because... Adventure is okay, but it's good to know that you're going to have a place to sleep. Followers, as followers of Jesus, if we're authentic and serious about our following him, we never quite know what the next step is going to be or the steps after that. 
we never know where following Jesus is going to take us. When Jesus reaches out, grabs us, calls us, we never know where he's going to take us. You heard the text that Meg read to us a few moments ago. Do you think, do you think that Peter and James, uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John uh, knew what they were getting into when Jesus said, come follow me? Immediately, it says, they left their nets, left everything to follow Jesus. Here are small businessmen with no safety nets. And yet they say, okay, we'll go with you. No guaranteed income. Jesus took them places that they never would have gone, probably never could have gone by themselves. And you know, I I think the reason that more of us don't follow perhaps as we should, is that we're fairly comfortable where we are right now. Not perfect, but we live in our own little world with our own little mindset because it's scary to get up and go when he says, follow me. And we will say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, where where are we going? What's it going to ask of us? What are you going to require? What's it going to mean? What am I going to have to give up? What kind of burden am I going to have to take on? Follow me. For instance, when I began this journey, I had no idea that I'd end up in McLean, Virginia. And I would venture a guess that other than Ron Kelly, you you never heard of Ulysses, Kansas, my hometown, until I arrived. I never would have believed that following Jesus would, would mean that I would be expected to do some things, believe some things, let go of some things, take on some things, all of which I was and sometimes still am reluctant to do. Because it's not easy to follow. It's not easy to grow. Because you've got to let go of some things in order to grow. As we move through the heritage piece, and next Sunday we'll have an abbreviated worship service. The interim steering team will bring a report. There are some things that if this church is going to be healthy and thrive, it's time to let go of. It's time to let go. You're never going to get to where God's calling you to be if all you do is hang on to those old hurts, old, old pains, old struggles. You've got to let go. If you don't, you'll never get to where Jesus is calling you to go. Individually, as well as corporately. For following Jesus is a lifetime journey. Think about Moses. Moses, God claimed him at the burning bush. Tongue-tied murderer that he was. Who would have thought that someone like him could do God's work? And then, then you remember Samuel, little Samuel, little boy. Asleep. God calls three times before he gets it. Who would call a child to do grown-ups work? You know, all that makes me wonder. It makes me wonder how many times God has called you or me and we haven't gotten it. We just never know when the word will come. Follow me. And God claims us. This past week we observed Martin Luther King Jr. Day who gave his life for the civil rights of our nation at 39. 
Do you remember what it was like, some of you, to be 39? It's been a while, hasn't it? It was young. Feels younger every year. 39. We just never know where following Jesus will take us. Let me tell you a little story that I think sheds some light on the mystery of what it means to follow Jesus. One of my favorite preachers is Tom Long, and he tells the story of Grace Thomas. She was a Christian woman raised in a Southern Baptist home. She's buried in a cemetery near First Baptist Church, Decatur, Georgia. Not many people remember Grace, but there was a time, at least in Georgia, who pretty much everyone knew who she was. Grace was the second of five children born in Birmingham, Alabama, to a streetcar conductor and his wife. When Grace married in the late 1930s, she and her husband moved to Atlanta, where she took a secretarial job in one of the governmental offices there. Through her work, she got interested in the law, and so she enrolled in a law, local law school that offered night classes. And so after many years of struggle and part-time study, she completed her law degree. And her family wondered, what's Mama going to do with her law degree? She astonished them by saying, you know, I think I'll run for political office. Well, which one, Mama? And they thought it would be school board or library board. She said, no, I, I'm going to run for the governor of Georgia. Guess how many men? There were nine people who ran, eight of them men. Now, this was in 1954. Remember 19, some of you are old enough to remember 1954. There was only one issue that year, just one. Brown versus the Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas. The court had declared that racially separate but equal schools were unconstitutional and thus paved the way for integration. Guess, just take a wild guess about how many candidates spoke against, angrily against that decision. Exactly eight. The only one who didn't was Grace. She said, the, the, the decision is fair and just, and it should be welcomed by all the citizens of Georgia. Remember, this is 1954. Her campaign slogan was, say grace at the polls. <laughs> Very few did. She came in dead last. Well, glad Mama got that out of her system. She hadn't. In 1962, eight years later, she ran for governor again. By then, the civil rights movement was gaining some traction, and needless to say, her, her message of race, racial reconciliation was extremely controversial. She received death threats. Her family traveled with her in order to provide both protection and moral support. Guess where she finished? Dead last again. But one day during her, this last campaign, she made an appearance in the small town of Louisville, Georgia. And it is pronounced Louisville, not Louisville, because I call the city of Louisville 
government this week to make sure. I said, ma'am, how do you pronounce the name of your town? And she said, Louisville. I said, thank you. That's all I need to know. And I'm sure she's still wondering, what in the world did some man call me and want to know what, how do we pronounce it? You know, little Louisville, Georgia. It was in Louisville, Georgia. The center of the town square is not the courthouse, but like Charleston and some other southern cities, it was the slave market. A tragic and evil place where human beings were bought and sold. Grace chose that former slave market for her speech. She stood on the very spot where slaves had been auctioned. Remember now, this is 1962. And a hostile crowd of store creek keepers and farmers gathered to hear what she, she had to say that day. She said something vaguely familiar to some. She said, the old has passed away and the new has come. Of all things, she quoted the Bible. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. This place, she said, gesturing to the market, represents all the past over which we must repent. A new day is here, a day when Georgians, white and black, can join hands and work together. Controversial words in 1962. And the crowd murmured, and someone shouted out, Are you a communist? She stopped in mid-sentence and said, No, I'm not a communist. Then where'd you get those blankety-blank ideas? She thought for a moment, looked over across the way and pointed to a church with a steeple. She said, over there in Sunday school, that's where I learned it. You never know when you take seriously Scripture. When you seriously try to follow Jesus, where it's going to take you. It may even be to say some unpopular things when you're running for governor and knowing you're going to come in dead last. It may lead us against prevailing cultural and even religious ideas of the day. For in the 50s and 60s, when someone on the basis of their faith commitment to Jesus Christ and their understanding of Scripture proclaimed that Integration was a matter of their Christian faith, a matter of following Jesus. It wasn't always easy, and it could be dangerous. We never know where following Jesus will take us. We never know when the lessons we've learned in Sunday school could put us in harm's way. It's no wonder that we find ourselves sometimes tongue-tied and content to keep our thoughts to ourselves, right? I believe in free will and choosing to follow Jesus, but I firmly believe that Jesus chooses you and me. Lane, follow me. Gary, follow me. Sue, follow me. God reaches in, grabs us, calls us, summons us. Are we going to follow? Fred Craddock used to say that when he was young and did something he shouldn't have, his mother would say, Now, son, that was uncalled for. As if goodness and being truly human was something that had to be called for. It may sound strange, Craddock said, 
this talk of being called for. But the older I get, the more I realize that one of the deepest fears of any human being is that at the end of the day, we will not be called for. What a sad, sad life. No adventure, no depth, no risk worth taking. Jesus says this morning, drop it. Whatever it is that's keeping you from following me and do it. It won't be easy. It won't be easy. I'm going to ask you to let go of things that you can't under your own power. I'm going to ask you to go to places that you can't and do things that you can't under your own power. Some of them may be dangerous. Who knows? Perhaps even life-threatening. And above all, you'll be asked to love, to speak the truth in love. And oh yes, Jesus says, take it from me. Take it from me. It can get you killed. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Come on, follow me. Follow me, even today. Amen.